Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We are going to talk more about our housing crisis on the programme today because we're going to speak with a young woman who has decided, I think, bravely to go public and share her story. Now, she's only known, the the young lady is only known as uh, Anna, but she's opened up about her struggles with what only can be described as the landlady from hell. Now, we're not saying where in Cork this young woman was uh, renting, but it is quite shocking to hear what this young woman was put through. And by all accounts, everything was fine until Anna, who believed that her landlady was a friend of hers, she admitted that she was pregnant. And as if for some reason that seemed to change this landlady's view about Anna. And uh, as I got spoken about in the doll as well, she was threatened with eviction because she was pregnant, with the argument being, oh, you'll have to go because the baby's crying would only cause disturbances to the neighbours. And because of that, the landlady said, you know, I think you better, you know, move on, better go somewhere else. Now she, she stuck to her guns, but by sticking to her guns and hanging in there, because obviously here she was pregnant, baby on the way, knowing the housing situation that we have in this country, knowing what it's like here in Cork. It isn't as easy if things go wrong in your rented accommodation for you to say, ah, sure, I'll just go down the road or there's an apartment up the road that I can rent. People are living in dreadful conditions because they're so afraid of complaining. They're so afraid of being evicted because we're constantly talking about the number of people who are living in emergency accommodation, who are doing everything that they can to try to access private rented accommodation. And we were only this week, we've we've spent a lot of time actually talking about homelessness and, and, and our housing crisis this week because we were giving the figures that came out from the Central Statistics Office, the, the official figures for how many people. These are the government figures showing the number of people that are living in emergency accommodation. And we spoke of 10,514 people living in emergency accommodation. So Anna could have been one of those ones added to that list because she knew at the time if she, and for a period of time, actually, when things just got too bad with her landlady, she did end up in emergency accommodation. So she became part of those st- statistics. But it was threshold and we'll talk with Anna about this and we'll also talk with threshold about it. It was threshold helped her out, pointed her in the right direction, got her onto the residential tenancy uh, board, who in fairness, the residential tenancy board might get criticism, but, you know, they have powers and when they really get stuck into an issue, they really are able to help people. And they did, in this case, 
help Anna but Threshold have released their annual report this week as well and I think it's just a coincidence that their report has come out the same week as the homeless figures the official homeless figures come out from the government but their figures are showing that for last year they helped 11,500 people to hold on to their homes and these were people that were under threat of eviction. So there's a lot of spotlight now going on illegal evictions because obviously Threshold got involved. They were able to prove that the landlord, landlady was doing an illegal eviction. It was wrong for them to ask these families to leave their homes. So they intervened and the families ended up keeping the roofs over their head. But you just think if we didn't have a charity like Threshold and if Threshold didn't do the intervention on behalf of the 11,500 people, then they would have been added to the list of 10,514 people, which means we would have had 22,000 people living in emergency accommodation. So we have a lot to thank Threshold for. And Threshold further break down their figures showing that the people they helped, many of them, now some of them were, were single adults or couples, but a lot of them were families with children. So it was just over 7,000 adults that they helped. But the figure for the children, 4,451 children who they've managed to help hold on to their uh, homes. Because I suppose with the time of the year and Christmas, and I know yesterday when I was talking about the figures of the number of people living in emergency accommodation, I kept homing in on that figure of, what is it, over 3,500 children that will be in emergency accommodation this Christmas. And how difficult that's going to be for the families as they try to make Christmas as best as they can because Christmas is all about children so they want to make it a happy occasion but how do you create a Christmas atmosphere when on Christmas Day you're going to be waking up in a hotel room and you know for the foreseeable future you and your family are going to be living if you're lucky in the same hotel room but you also know you might have to pack up all your bags and get moved on to a different hotel because the hotel you're in is is booked out so it's just such a stressful time for families and I saw yesterday there was an event held in Dublin it was Focus Ireland they're doing like little Christmas parties for children I suppose trying to take the focus away for the homeless children trying to and for the parents trying to say look it's the it's Christmas time it's it's time for joy it's time for children to get presents it's time for them to meet Santa Claus but some of the stories that are coming out from these Christmas parties that they're they're holding them in emergency they, for children living in emergency accommodation uh, for example there was one one family of children four of them the aged 10 8 4 and 2 and they went along with their mother to to one of these to, to this party of Focus Ireland and one of the little ones when they went in to see Santa Claus you know, they had a Santa Grotta the typical Christmas party and they brought them into San, Santa Gra- Santa's Grottas and one of the little ones said Santa how are you going to know where we are on Christmas night and they were given in their present list and Santa said oh look don't worry about that at all by elf magic I'll know exactly where you are and the little one then said what about what room number we're in because they obviously are getting moved from room to room and hotel to hotel and then Santa a very experienced Santa Claus said even what room you're in I'll look it up in my book there's a naughty and a nice list but I can tell already that you're nice and it'll be there clear as day what room number you're in and then the little ones left and beaming smiles on their face to, you know a little bit of confidence that Santa was going to be able to find them but even to have children going into Santa 
asking what they want for Christmas and having to put in that add-on question of Santa, do you know where I'm going to be this Christmas? It just is truly truly shocking and for many of those families as well it isn't even a case of look we'll get over this Christmas and we'll be into a new home in the new year because they know for many of them they won't they, they absolutely won't and of course as when we spoke about homelessness yesterday we were speaking in advance with um, uh, Evie Nevin uh, joined us and uh, Karen well, Karen Doyle was on the organiser of this protest that's going on today in Dawn Square in Cork from 12 o'clock protesting at the lack of action by the government in relation, in relation to the housing crisis and I know the government are doing trying to do the best that they can there was a glimmer of hope in the first I think it was the first six months of this year the amount of new house bills they were up by 17% so they are it's it's kind of catch up though isn't it we need to have so many more houses I think we need to triple there was a stat I saw that we need to triple the houses we're building at the moment. They need to be tripled over the next this year and then the next two years, over three years, in order to make any kind of a dent in the homeless crisis. I think it's about 60,000 houses we need to build in between this year, next year and uh, the year after. And it's just there. They're taking time, unfortunately, to build the houses. And then Anne in Blarney was on to us and said, would the government not consider buying all the houses that are currently on, that are up for sale on daft.ie, any of the ones that are up for sale for under €250,000? Surely, surely it would cost less than the amount of money they're paying out in rent in the HAP scheme. Look at the amount of money they're paying in all of the hotels for the emergency accommodation. Because remember those the hotel rates, anyone who stays in a hotel, hotels don't come cheap. And the government have to pay for all of those hotel rooms where people have been living for months, uh, heading into a, over a year and over in some cases. So hotel rooms don't come cheap either. So Anna's saying all of that money, could that not be used to start buying up houses that are available for sale. So many homes in villages and towns across our county with absolutely fantastic communities that would welcome these families in that have homes for sale. Anne Blarney suggests that's what the government uh, should be doing. She also worries about couples who now cannot afford to buy a home and cannot afford to get a mortgage. Why do the government not hire builders and start building their own homes? A little bit like what we did back in the 50s in this country, the 40s and 50s, there was a huge building boom went underway and of course that got so many people into council and uh, corporation houses. Do we need to go back to the way we used to do it in the good old days? Uh, And said also our mortgage interest rates here are higher in this country than anywhere else in uh, Europe that needs to, to be looked at. So you're covering a number of items in your t- in your commentary there. Um, but you were right to, let's not forget when we're talking about homelessness, we're talking about the, in, genu- in a lot of cases, it's people who are on the HAP scheme because who are out there now trying to rent in the private rented sector. But of course, the private rented sector is full of people who can't afford, who are working, working couples, working families, who can't afford to get a mortgage, can't afford to buy buy a home. They're stuck in the middle. They're with outside, the, they earn too much to be get a social house. You know, there were social houses available, but they earn too much for that. And then when they go to the bank to try to get a mortgage, they said, sorry, you don't earn enough. And they're caught then in the middle because they're paying huge amounts on rent so they can't even save to get anything near a deposit for a home and it's that squeezed middle and there's been so much talk about that it's a lost generation who will never own their own 
uh, houses and that's is going to build up problems uh, for the future as well. I mean that cohort, that group of people certainly do. You, you are right to highlight them in your comment and because they certainly do need to be looked at. Our lines are open at 1850 We're also going to speak with one of the residents who is involved in what's been described as a slow walk to town. It's planned for Bandon tomorrow and this group of residents want to highlight excessive and what they describe as reckless driving and speeding in residential areas in Bandon. They say enough is enough and they're going to do a bit of a protest this morning just to kind of put a spotlight on what's going on in Bandon Town when it comes to particular areas. It sounds like they've been used as rat runs. Anyone who lives in Bandon or drives in and around Bandon on a daily basis will know there are certain sections of the town you end up. It's whatever but a slow walk. You're certainly doing a slow drive. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of traffic delays going on in the town because there's a lot of roadworks going on and I'm wondering because of that is it diverting traffic then people will do anything to get out of being stuck in gridlock and you know they'll go around to the houses pardon the pun and by going around the houses are they ending up in residential areas and if they are ending up in residential areas and you, you are one of the ones doing that it's okay to use a residential area but you need to slow it down and you need to be careful of the way you're driving because residential areas are not used to having large volumes of, of traffic and it just sounds to me like it's an accident waiting to happen so we'll speak with some of the residents on what their plans for tomorrow are. A member from Garda Siakona will join us for this week's uh, Crime File and it is Thursday so that means Jane Pickett our resident vet joins us in the final hour of the programme. If you have a question for Jane something wrong with one of the animals in your house get it into us please. Mary was on to say there's a crash in Charleville Town and her suggestion is to anybody to try to avoid the town please okay we'll look into that and see if we can get more information that's a crash in Charleville Town causing a bit of traffic chaos at the moment try to avoid and please God everybody's okay and it isn't a a serious uh, crash Uh, Michael by WhatsApp Patricia hi You have to admire Minister for European Affairs Helen McEntee for her workload and the effort she has put into it on behalf of the people of Ireland, especially on Brexit. And now she's addressing a series of meetings in Washington, D.C. She is a role model for any young politician, especially young ladies thinking of entering politics. She's yet to put a foot wrong. She's cool, she's calm and she seems very well grounded. Every good luck to her in Washington, D.C. And she's been on her Twitter feed saying just arrived in Washington, D.C. for a series of meetings with U.S. uh, congressional leaders and to address bridging the Atlantic Conference. Yeah, she does. She always comes across as cool, calm and collected. I'll agree with you then. She hasn't put a foot wrong. And whenever she speaks, she speaks with such authority. She is a very, very impressive young politician and the fact that she's the Minister for European Affairs we don't see her in you know involved in domestic politics you know anytime you see her it's something to do because of the nature of her brief European Affairs I think she was I think it was Leah Varadkar uh, put her in I think she was a good choice I think she really is as you say cool calm and uh, collect she's one of those politicians watch this space I think she will go I think she certainly will go uh, far 
Okay, and here's an interesting one. I don't know if anybody can offer advice here to a listener, but we're talking about the housing situation. And I suppose people trying to think outside of the box and how do we come up with solutions to this housing crisis and how do we offer homes to people and are there alternatives to the traditional of giving somebody the keys to their own front door. This listener says, Hi Trish, I live on my own in a large four-bedroomed bungalow. I have three spare rooms. I gladly take in a family, but I would only want clean, good, clean living people who've fallen on hard times. I wouldn't want alcoholics or drug addicts, as I'd be afraid. I'm a 63-year-old and I'm living on my own. How can I offer accommodation to a family without being classed as judgmental and and I I don't think in any way you're being uh, judgmental and I can see where you're coming from you're living on your own you want to have you would want to have security in your own home that when you go to bed at night that the people that you invited to come into the house to live with you that you were go- everyone was going to be safe but you in particular was going to be safe so I don't think in any way you're being uh, judgmental you're just being careful but I don't know I I'm I mean, we've watched those programmes on TV. There was the one recently, we know, where they were bridging the gap between the older generation and the younger generation. And it was like the, was it the OAP B&B, which I thought was a terrific, terrific idea. And I know a friend of mine in Dublin, her mother for many, many, many years was, had her spare room rented out to foreign students who used to come over, mainly Chinese students, and they'd come over, they'd stay with her. They'd be living with her for a couple of years. You know, they were like long-term students. And they, she, they ended up becoming great friends and she'd give them their breakfast in the morning. I think they cooked their own uh, own dinners. I know most of the time you went in, the, the, the young Chinese students would be cooking for every, anyone that came in. They used to love share, sharing their food. But it was a terrific arrangement because... My friend's mum had company. Their family didn't have to worry about her because Mammy always had somebody with her at night and people popping in and out and friends coming to see the students. So it was always a busy, lively household. She also earned a bit of cash out of it because, you know, the young students were paying rent. But that was Dublin and they had access to a lot of foreign students. So I don't know what the situation... And I don't know where this listener is living. I don't know if she's in the city and would... would would students suit him though I don't think it's a student she's looking for a family but you know not a bad idea in as somebody is waiting to find their forever home and I'm sure a family would love and if you have three spare bedrooms you could have a mum and a dad and a couple of kids three kids couldn't you with the, in the three spare rooms and everyone could live happily until the family got their forever home. Is that something that the government need to start looking at? Just looking at different schemes like that that would help everybody out. But if anybody has any suggestion as to how this listener could, she's willing to share her home with somebody else. Where could, what any particular direction we could point her in? 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel, and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world class brands, and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season 
and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Now yesterday's Echo newspaper led with a front page story of a renter here in Cork who was issued with an eviction notice after revealing she was pregnant to her landlady. The situation has been highlighted by the housing charity Threshold and I'm joined by Adele Condon who is Threshold's regional services uh, manager. Uh, Good morning to you Adele. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you're, wel- you're welcome. And we will speak with Anna. Uh, John Paul is lining her up. We will speak with um, Anna, the lady involved, uh, in a moment. But, but I want to talk to you first about this case. Mm-hmm. Is this a very unusual case? Um, I suppose we had two cases like that um, this year, Patricia, um, very similar in that they both were in tenancies um, and found out that they were pregnant and, you know, were were asked to leave. Now, in one of the situations, um, the person was in what we call a licensee situation, so they were living with the homeowner. Um, so in that case, um, the lady unfortunately did uh, go into homeless services, but thankfully all the, the services rallied around her and she is now in, in the right place, you know, to be for her and has the right supports. And in Anna's case, um, Anna's case was quite traumatic, you know. Um, the team here had to work very hard on that case. There was a lot of paperwork, there was a lot of uh, recording um, needed in gathering evidence for the Residential Tenancies Board. I suppose in a lot of t- cases we do mediate and we are very successful and we don't have to go to the RTB, which is great. Um, but unfortunately, in this case, the landlord just was not listening to us. But it is, but it is important to point out: you can't be asked to leave a property because you're pregnant. Absolutely not. No. No, there are very strict rules where a landlord can issue a notice of termination. And we've seen, um, you know, the, the Act um, be amended this year, again, giving extra security to, to tenants. Um, so no way can a landlord ask any tenant to, to vacate their home because they are pregnant. And because the baby might be crying and upset the neighbours. Exactly. Um, and actually, that, that that baby attended the RCB hearing and the adjudicator couldn't believe how quiet that baby was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it just shows that it was all just all fib, you know, all fib. OK, stay there because I, w- I want to bring um, Anna in, the lady in, in question. Good morning to you, Anna. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. OK, uh, take us back. You started renting this property and you were were you friendly enough with the landlady? Did, did she seem to be OK? Uh, yeah, I didn't think I never saw this coming. And like we were very friendly. We would chat and I had no idea that she going to turn into a devil. Like when I told her that I'm expecting baby. So I didn't even think that something like this is going to happen and then I will have to go through what I went through while I was pregnant and when I delivered my baby. So how soon after you telling her, guess what, happy news, I'm having a baby, did she change and say, I want you to leave? Well, I explained her, like I found out that I'm pregnant when I was six weeks. So I told her, look, I'm going to give a birth and I'm going to start look for a house. Okay. So she was okay with that. And then suddenly next month when I came to pay her the rent, she just said that I have to be gone before the baby is born because the neighbors will be complaining about the baby crying there. 
I explained her I have no place where to go and I can't look for the place right now because I am pregnant. And you had but, signed a lease? Sorry? You had signed a lease? Yeah. So how, 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 when was the lease due to be up? It was on last year in July. So you had another year or more left on the lease at that time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. had. Uh, I left. Oh, no, actually, sorry. It was in this year, July, not last year, this year. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. But all I'm saying is the lease wasn't due up or anything. You had more. She was specifically saying, I want you gone because you're pregnant and the yeah. crying baby is going to upset the neighbours. Yeah. But out of interest, did you speak to any of the neighbours to see, had they complained? I did. I was friendly with all the neighbours and they said that they never complained about my baby because they didn't even heard my baby crying because my baby wasn't crying at night. He was more cranky at daytime. At night he was sleeping and he was waking up, having his meal, change his nappy and he would go back to sleep. Not even one person complained about my baby. Well done. Well done. You've got a dream baby, which is which is great. Great to hear. OK, so you said, no, I'm not going to leave. And then a series of events started where she was almost in- intimidating you, trying to get you to leave. Yeah, when my baby was born, it was starting after a few weeks, my baby was born. She was just bringing in the people to show the apartment. And then suddenly at night she texted me that I have seven days to move out that my baby paper should be all ready now. I didn't reply her. I Next day, I contacted Threshold straight away and I t- showed them the text message and I told them you have to do something like now because there was only like seven days and it was weekend coming and because I didn't know what she could do in the weekend. So I went to Threshold and they had the letter ready for her that she is not allowed to do that. And she had a key to the apartment. So you're saying she was walking in unannounced, not telling you, at any time of the day or night? Yeah, she was coming whenever she wants and she had the keys. Well, she didn't come in at night. It was when she was breaking in. It was nine o'clock on evening. She was breaking in and giving me two hours to leave the house. So I called the guards. And did the guards come? Yeah, the guards came, so she was jumping on me in front of the guards. The guards were talk, trying to talk to her, and because that day basically she was turning off my electricity, and I had like because we had the prepay power. Yeah, and the main switch was downstairs, so I couldn't get out to turn plug back on the plug to have electricity because she was basically in the next door apartment doing the things there. And I didn't walk out, so my baby was eating all day cold milk, so he got sick. So, and then basically nine o'clock, she just banged the door out and like, but I had closet pulled over the door so she couldn't get in. So you were living, you were living as if you were living in prison. You were really afraid of this woman. I was because she was like and then the guards came and she was warned that she will be arrested if she won't stop so after that she said the plumber is coming tomorrow to check the because there is a leak 
and the plumber came next day and she, like he couldn't found any leak from my apartment but she was still forcing him to turn off the water so i called threshold again and thank god connor was free and he was talking to the man and he says you can't turn off the water because she has small baby in the house because she won't turn back on the water so the man just said i don't want to be involved in this so he just Walked Went away. away. Thank God. Thank God. Walked and just away, yeah. to just to point out, you always paid your rent on time. There was never an issue that you missed a rent payment. No, I had I had the rent book and everything, so I had the rent was paid up to date. And you weren't having wild parties at night where neighbours were up. Had, I didn't had not even one party. I never made parties in not one house where I was living. I would just had like friend over for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Yeah. That's all. I never make parties. And and obviously, Anna, I can hear by your accent. Uh, where are you? Where are you originally from? Uh, could I just hide that? Oh I'm yeah, that's Europe. okay. Okay, but yeah, yeah, you're from Europe. Okay, but the, the reason I ask it is, um, I'm assuming you don't have family members here. No. Because, you know, I was just thinking if this was happening to my daughter or to my niece, I would be able to say, come home, you know, forget about it. Don't that woman, you don't need to be anywhere near that woman. But because you're here and you don't have family to go to, you have nowhere really to go with your baby. No, I didn't. And I couldn't leave the house as well because the threshold explained me if I will leave the house, the council won't help me because I gave up my property. Oh, of course. So they told me. Like if I would have the option to leave, I would leave. I wouldn't live in that nightmare, but I didn't have choice. Choice. I I wanted my baby to be in the house. So, and the threshold explained me if I will leave now, I won't get anything. I won't get any help. Yeah, because you'll be seen as giving up a property. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so a real. Even don't... though I was living in the nightmare, like. But I still had the support from Threshold. I still had the support when I was down after all those things she was doing. I could go to Edel House and talk to the staff or the Good Shepherd uh, advocacy were helping me. And so I had the help from them. Good, good. That's fantastic. And to end it with the good news, you're out of that situation now. Do you now have a nice landlord? I have very nice house. I have very beautiful, big house. My baby has play place where to explore and learn. I'm very happy and I'm very thankful to the threshold who believed in me and they gave me the opportunity to raise my baby in the house. So I wasn't homeless for a very, very long time. So Good. the threshold offered me the house. So and they it- knew what I was going through. So they helped me a lot. So thanks to every one of them who helped me. And life is good in Ireland now for you, Anna? Brilliant. I'm happy. I couldn't ask for more. I have a house where to raise my baby and he's making me happy every day with his smile. Yeah. So you're looking forward to Christmas? Yes, we are. So just have a few bits and pieces to get and we are all sorted. And my baby is 11 months today. So. Ah, ah, a month, a month. Oh, it's, oh, it's a Christmas. Well, he's, oh, he's, oh, uh, yeah. he was born in the new year, start of the new year. Yeah, he yeah. Was just a few days after the new year. Ah, how, so fa- how fantastic. And will you spend Christmas with friends, Anna? Or will you just be you and your son? No, I'm going to be with my baby. Just, just the two of you on your own? Yeah. Ah, okay. But I am happy with that. I Good. Have, I've, 
we will enjoy anyway because, you know, it's Christmas, it's family. Yeah, it is. So he's my family and my friends, they have their, they're going to spend their Christmas in their own families. So for us in Europe, it's Christmas, it's like family, but we are celebrating the new year. We are going to friend's house and... So I'm gonna go for New Year with my friends. So good. Well, listen, and and you and you'll be celebrating Christmas with your little fella in peace yeah. without having to worry about anyone bursting through that front door or anybody turning your electricity no. off. Listen Anna we really appreciate you sharing your story with us uh, and what, what I hope from it uh, is that people in similar circumstances will hear you today and know that they don't need to suffer in silence. There is help available. Yeah that's what I wanted to tell people just don't be quiet speak up because this is wrong what the landlords are doing. Not all of them there is like bad landlord and there is bad tenant. But if something like this happen, even the landlord, if he has bad tenant, he can turn up to the to somewhere and you know. But just go legal way. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's your right. You do it. To, you don't have to break the law. Yeah, to do get it. someone out. Just go legal way. All right, I'm going to go back and bring Idel uh, Conlon in from uh, Threshold, Anna. But thank you for that. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Let me bring Adele um, back. Uh, it's quite a powerful story, uh, Adele, that Anna, I mean, just, I think it's her vulnerability, the fact that she was on her own with her baby. Yeah, and, and we see that often here in Threshold, Patricia, that, you know, the isolation is, is a huge thing, you know, with 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 certain um, women, uh, you know, here who may have a, a child and they're, they're isolated, they're, they're um, you know, they're just trying to, I suppose, secure their home, you know, and we we work with them to, to try and make sure at least that they have that security. And then we try with our access housing unit as well, we try to get them involved in the community, you know, so they can integrate. But unfortunately, isolation is is, is a big thing here. Um, it is a powerful story. And, you know, it's really great for our staff, Patricia, here to, to, to listen to Anna's story and get the feedback that she really appreciates the work we've done, we, we do for, for people because it's a tough job advisors you know it's not an easy job here um you know and and it's a lot of negativity um you know homelessness is 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 not a nice topic and it's just the work here has become very complex so to hear that feedback you know it's really lifted the spirits of the staff here even this morning when i was chatting to them um so you know i'm delighted for the staff here to to get that yeah you you all work and and it's it's kind of work that goes unseen because you're dealing with one on one, so so people don't get to hear or see it that often. So it's it yeah. is it's it is great to highlight it. And actually, your latest report is just out because I've been yesterday it talking is. about the ten thousand five hundred odd people living in emergency accommodation, and your report this morning mm-hmm. showing that a further eleven thousand five hundred would be added to that list only for the intervention of threshold. Exactly. You know, we've kept a lot of 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 tenancies safe and secure, and you know, um, it's not highlighted. You know, it definitely isn't um, now in a lot of cases we can't highlight it because we may have to use the work as you know that we do as evidence in in a legal process so we can't highlight um, cases that often and a lot of the time people don't you know it's a very personal thing yeah, you know yeah. so we don't get people like Anna to go out and tell their story and um, so we are great very grateful to Anna to do that for doing that but yes we've saved a lot of, of tenancies this in 2018 
than even more this year, Patricia. Um, you know, even in he, here in Cork, um, our, our tenancy protection service that covers Cork and Kerry have have done unreal work um, this year, and and we will continue to do it. Um, but if you don't mind, Patricia, just one thing I'd like to say is that um, we, you know, we do receive funding from the government, but we rely a lot You're on charity. donations. You're yeah, a charity. we are a charity, yeah. and people actually think we're a statutory body, and we're not. So we do rely on donations. Um, you know, and and how can people donate? So if they could go onto our website www.threshold.ie, they can donate to us um, okay. through there. All so. right. Well, you're doing powerful work. Uh, keep it up, uh, Idel, and Thanks, thank you Patricia. for joining us on the program. A happy Christmas to everybody at Threshold. And to you too. Thank uh, you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Edel Conlon, who is Thresholds Regional Services uh, Manager. And before that, the, the lovely Anna sharing her story with us this morning. 1850 333 103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Attention, Cork businesses. Attention, Cork businesses. It's time to bring on the festive feeling. C103 is looking for the best decorated shop window. Show us your Christmas window display. Send a picture to glow at c103.ie and be in with a chance to win an advertising campaign from C103 and Cork's 96FM worth €2,000. We'll get the public to pick their favourite. Pick their favourite. Dress your window to win with Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade with C103. In the next hour, we talk about this slow walk that's planned for Bandon tomorrow. It's to highlight excessive speed in residential areas. And I can already see calls coming in from all across the city and county from people saying we should be doing that in our area too. People really need to start slowing down when they're driving in residential areas. So we'll look at that and more in the next hour. Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration festive food and fun the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103 I've got songs from Simply Red Madonna and Bob Marley Santa I got a new puppy have you and this week Santa's here chatting to Cork kids I can help you win a 500 euro shopping voucher. And I've got your tickets to see Jack and the Beanstalk. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were hearing in the last hour of delays in Charleville Town due to a collision on the main street in Charleville and in particular we were hearing about delays approaching from the Limerick side of Charleville. If there's anybody in the Charleville area who wants to update us on that uh, and let us know if the traffic is free flowing again, we would love to hear from you. Uh, please, if you can help us out on that one. And thank you to a number of people ringing in, reacting and texting in, reacting to Anna telling her story about the landlady from hell and what an awful situation to find herself in. And I think, you know, what got to me was the fact that, you know, she's an Eastern European lady over here on her own, doesn't have the support of family. It just seems to have made her all the more vulnerable than ever and in in a situation like that, terrified, terrified of the landlady, but then sticking in, in staying with the situation because the bigger fear was that she would end up on the street or end up in homeless accommodation along with her little son it's um, her little baby very very difficult but uh, thankfully everything's worked out fine and she's got 
by all accounts now a gorgeous landlord this time round who knows everything she's shared the story of what has happened uh, to her and uh, they're, they're, her new landlord is assuring her it's over and that she's got this property for as long as she wants it and that everything's okay and that and she'll be okay and hopefully she'll have a happy and a peaceful Christmas uh, this year now just on that whole issue of housing uh, Patricia says a uh, WhatsApper there are many elderly people this is reacting to the listener who had suggested to us. Let me just remind you of the listener who had contacted us when they when she heard me talk about the number of homeless families. This was a lady who is living on her own. She's sixty three. She has three, four bed, large four bedroomed bungalow, and she's three of the spare rooms free. She sleeps in one. The other three are free. And she said she'd love to for a family to move in, but she said she'd want to be clean living people who have fallen on hard times. She doesn't want to be judgmental but obviously she's going to be sharing her home with somebody else and she was wondering where could she go? How could she offer accommodation to a family who's in need at the moment? Uh, so that's prompted the listener to say, Patricia, there are many elderly people living in large homes just like the one your listener described. Maybe the government could offer some kind of grants where a homeowner would be able to convert part of the house into a separate flat or apartment within the house that could be available to rent out to homeless families instead of housing them in costly hotels. It would also help to alleviate the housing uh, shortage. Yes, so adapt the large house to make it into two dwellings rather than one. So rather than it being a house share, this listener would be suggesting that it would be it would be done, it would be converted in such a way so that there'd be two front doors kind of thing. You'd, each family, the original person who owns the house would continue to have their front door and the others who moved in or other who moved in would have a separate separate entrance uh, themselves. Is that something that the government could look at? I suppose what people are trying to say is do they need to now start thinking outside the box because they're trying to build as many houses as they can, but they're just not building them fast enough. That certainly seems to be uh, the problem. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 86 And we remember somebody suggested that the government should be looking on daft.ie or any of the websites that have property for sale and they should buy up all of the houses that are under, I think 250,000 was the figure that was used and instead of all of this money that they're putting into the HAP scheme, which runs into tens of millions every year, start buying properties and start getting people out of emergency accommodation and get them into their homes. Well, John has an interesting story to share. John says, about three years ago, I sold my house. It was in a housing estate. I told the auctioneer to get onto the council to see, did they want to buy it? He did. And the council came back and said, sorry, the budget for that year was gone. So the house was sold privately. Then he said, John says, a few weeks after that, um, after John had sold it and it was all done and dusted and finished and new owners moved in, etc. He said, a council guy came up to John and said, you should have told us about that house for sale. We'd have bought it from you. That's a chat scratching his head. He thought it would have been ideal for the council. So do, do I take it from that that one end of the council didn't know doesn't know what the other end of the council is doing, that the council guy who you spoke with didn't know that you'd already offered it and that somebody in the budgeting section, maybe he didn't know that the budget was all gone. But yeah, there are certainly other solutions and other ways of buying houses that could get people out of the situation they're in at the moment and particularly get them out of hotel rooms and get them into proper uh, homes. Now, on something we're going to be covering this hour, and this is this slow walk 
that I mentioned. We'll find out more about it. It's to do with an area in Bandon, residential area, where people living there are saying that people are driving recklessly and they're speeding and that something needs to be done about it. So they're going to highlight it tomorrow by having this protest tomorrow morning and they're doing a slow walk is what they're going to do. The idea being we're going to walk slowly in the hope that we'll get the message out to people. Would you please slow down? A listener says, Patricia, I have to say, as a person who enjoys walking and as an individual who drives, I've seen pedestrians also acting very recklessly. It's not just drivers. People walking out in front of cars, for example. People walking behind reversing cars. Yeah, or the other one, people walking and not having proper high-vis vests on them or walking on the wrong side of the road. You know, not walking. What is it? You walk. You you walk towards the oncoming traffic, but you need to have high-vis vests, so you need to have some kind of torches uh, with you. There are people taking a lot of risks. Uh, you're right on that. Anyway, when I mentioned it in the last hour, we got a string of calls in from people, including Siobhan in Balancolic, who says, best of luck to all those in Bandon who are organising that slow walk tomorrow. I'm sure that many other towns will actually support them. They might even decide to do similar protests. We have problems here in housing estates in Balancolic, where I live, with people using them as shortcuts. And when they decide to use them as shortcuts, for whatever reason, they decide then to speed through the housing estates. See, that's what I can't understand. If you're going to go through a residential area and you're using it as a shortcut or you're using it to avoid roadworks or whatever it is, would you at least have respect for the people living in those housing estates and drive slowly? And bear in mind, it's a residential area. You don't know when a child or something, a football is going to come out from behind a car or a dog or a cat. I mean, the, the fact that it's a residential area, you just don't know what's going to come out behind a car. And if you're driving too fast, that's really, in some cases, there are accidents waiting to happen. And Anne in Mallow was on to us. And I thought we'd get a call from this area in Mallow when I mentioned people driving through residential areas. She said, we might do a similar slow walk in Cannon Sheehan Place in Mallow with people using our estate for shortcuts, particularly at school drop-off and pick-up times. And those that are doing it are driving too fast in a housing estate that Anne that was never built for that level of traffic. And Anne is right. It was it was never designed for the volume of traffic that's going through it at the moment. And it is it is only run school times. They've got two schools uh, in the area. I, I, I tell you how narrow it is when people have got their cars parked. People who live in the area will have their cars parked. You can only take one cars have to pull in to let the cars the other cars pass it's it's that narrow that road was never designed huge it would be interesting if somebody started counting the amount of cars that are on Cannon Sheen's place at drop off time in the morning or pick up time drop off time for the kids and pick up time in the afternoon because it's extremely busy and Anthony and McCroom said they would need to do something about the speed of cars on the Han Road hope I'm pronouncing that right in McCroom the road is a country road. It was never set up for the traffic that it takes at the moment but it's the speed of the traffic on that road that's absolutely ridiculous, says Anthony. It's people using this road as a bypass to avoid the traffic in town. But to be honest, said Anthony, there are some days there's so much traffic on the Coolahan Road, you'd actually be better off queuing up and growing through the town. You're not saving yourself 
at all. 1850 John Paul taking your calls and thank you to somebody who's called in to say traffic is flowing freely again in Charleville. Thank you. So that accident that happened in the last hour has been sorted. So if you need to head into Charleville, it is OK. Traffic is flowing freely. And we're looking for trying to help a listener is hoping to locate a coat that she bought yesterday. In Debenhams. It's a Miss Selfridge coat and she left the bag somewhere. Oh God. Uh, Maybe in the ladies' toilets. If anybody found it, uh, could you please contact us here at the radio station and we can put you in contact with the lady who's just never even wore the coat. Bought it, went off to do the rest of her shopping and you know the way you get a bit distracted when you have a lot going on and then of course you're motoring along you're heading to somewhere else and suddenly you realise I'm missing a bag. Where did I leave that bag? Possibly could have been the toilets because she obviously did stop off at the toilets in, in Debenhams. Uh, so, and you would have to put down the bag. So then, you know, washing your hands afterwards and you're heading out and you just forget to pick up the bag. So if that rings a bell with anyone and you heard of somebody who picked up a bag with a Miss Selfridge's coat inside it, brand new, tags and all on it, could you contact us please? 1850 333 C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie Del Forno Tiles and Timber. They're hiring for an experienced showroom salesperson. It's for their store in Cork. A nanny or a childminder is required two to three days per week. It's for two children in the Canturk area. While a North Cork agri-fabricating business wishing to recruit a temporary welder stroke fabricator. And a dairy farmer worker is wanted for the Mid-Cork area for general duties, which will include milking, calf rearing and machinery. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Tomorrow, the residents of Castle Road and O'Mahony's Avenue in Mandon will stage a slow walk to town in order to highlight what they say is excessive speed in residential areas of the town. Dan Holland is a former resident of the area and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you, Dan. Morning. Now, Dan, a lot of Bandon Town is gridlocked because of ongoing road work. So slow traffic can be a challenge in some parts of the town. But your problem is the exact opposite. It's excessive speed. Tell me and describe to me what's going on. Well, the, the stretch of road from, um, we'll say, from Castle Burners to, uh, to, we'll say, the end of Castle Road, it's, it's now being run as a rat run with the closure of the Manway Road. And the the extra volume of traffic is just unacceptable, but the, the, the biggest there is speeding. 
And is it at certain times of the day or can it be at any time of the day? Well, personally, I walk at most days of the week early in the morning and I find that that particular time very, very dangerous. In particular, in the upper part by the, um, from the castle gate towards, uh, you know, the cross lane that goes up the Dale Park. That yeah, yeah. But it, it, it is also an issue further down the road as well. But obviously early in the morning then, that's commuters, that's... Yeah. No, like, I'm a former resident of the place and I have a particular interest in it in as much as my brother died in an accident there 40 years ago. And I don't want anybody else to, you know, suffer that, what would they call, lifetime of um, grief, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. And I, it's inevitable that something terrible will happen up there. It's, it's inevitable because, no, uh, the residents up there, John Davis, Adrian Devan, Bill Holland and Johnny uh, John Coffin, they raised up a petition which was signed by over 200 people. That was delivered to the Gardaí and to the council. And basically, to, to date, I think the Gardaí are actually accepting it on a regular basis, but they told us that they had found no issue with speeding which is contrary, really, to the experience of, it, of the people who live there. Yeah, and I suppose the guy that you can't be there all of the time. That's, exactly. he, that, that's, no. the, that's, the, that's the problem. But you say that the, the, there was an increase in the volume of traffic since yeah. the closure of the Dunmanway Road. Yeah. H- have the motorists any other option but to come this way? Well, they could always uh, continue on the Black Sticks, past the Southern Centre and down the Clonic Road. But that would be extra for them. It would be, but I mean, surely, like, it should be local access only. Because it is a residential area. It's a residential area, but I suppose, in one sense, it's, it's, it's a national route. I think as well, it's got a road number, so I suppose people are entitled to drive it. But the point is, the volume of people who actually live within Castle Road or Manny Avenue and the surrounding estates above there, there's, there's not enough capacity for those people, let alone the hundreds of experts vehicles that are using on a daily basis now as a shortcut into town basically again tying in with the roadworks and so on like that and you know all well and good if people want to take a shortcut and want to avoid roadworks and, and whatever but what worries me Dan is this what you're saying and we're hearing it from other listeners as well is the excessive speed and, and almost reckless driving it is reckless and, and just very bad uh, driver behaviour further down the road as well Several cars of the residents have been damaged. Ah, no. One of them has been ripped off. Uh, mirrors are constantly being taken off of cars with no reason to the matter. Um, people not giving way. In fact, you can you can go down there some days, you can actually see a bus here and buses coming down that road. Well, you know. And up until recently, we had articulated trucks coming up and down while the uh, next rainy sea was closed. So, I mean, that road was never designed for anything like that volume of traffic. And the residents have their cars parked outside? Yeah. No, there's, a, there's one of these uh, splashing signs up there by, um, how would I call it, the older part of Castle Road. And it's, it's ineffective, really, because it's not calibrated properly. But we can furnish you with photographs of that sign registering speed in excess of 70 kilometres an hour. Yeah, because you can get the you can get the records of that of how many people were speeding and how many were over. Yeah. It would, it would be interesting to see. And I'm what, what sure do you say? It's not that. calibrated properly. Well, if you observe from Castle Road, from where the Castle Cottages, yeah, um, that that meter or that uh, record or whatever you want to call it 
that doesn't pick up the speed of the vehicle until it's within 100 metres of it, by which point the driver knows it's time to slow down. By that stage, they've already passed, I don't know, 20, 30 holes and the, uh, and the exit from two estates. Now, that's a very busy place in the morning. Kids going to school and yeah. people heading off to work and all that. The footpaths are inadequate and you can see people walking on the, on the road because they simply don't have a choice. If somebody else is coming towards them, you have to get off the footpath to let them pass. Therefore, and these cars are with them, boy. So I obviously can't tell you what speed they're doing, but I know what fast is, you know. Uh, and it's certainly in excess of 50 kilometres an hour. There's no question about yeah, that. And, and you'd know if you're close enough and a car whizzes by you, you know that yeah. it's not, you know, within the speed limit of 20. Thir- I mean, with the speed limit there, would it be 30 kilometres? It's 50 kilometres and maybe they should revise that. Totally. Oh, in a residential area, absolutely. Yeah. And particularly if you've got that volume of cars in there, it, it definitely needs to be revised uh, downwards. And you say your own brother. What happened to your own brother, Dan? Ah, uh, look, it's a long time ago and there's water under the bridge and everything as much of it. But to think about it, every time that I pass that spot, I'm reminded that when a fellow passes me by at a ridiculous speed, I relive that moment, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you know you've you've had you and your family have had to live with that loss. Yeah, but not just the family; the whole the whole community of Castle Road were very badly affected by that. And believe me, like nobody wants to endure that. No community, no no family should have to endure that for the sake of getting into town ten seconds earlier, maybe you know. Would speed bumps, speed ramps, would they help? I suppose they would. They'd, they'd calm them out. I think to some degree, I suppose they would. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the council, I believe, conducted a survey and they came to the conclusion that the traffic there was self-regulating, which is perplexing, they believe. What? So how, what do you mean by self-regulating? That it's, that it's impossible to speed there and that because of the configuration of the parking and the road and so on, that that uh, it's more or less impossible to speed. No, you, all you've got to do is walk there and, you know, as I say, my experience is off the morning, kind of, that's when I walk it mostly. But the people who live there tell me that it's a constant thing all day and nighttime if it goes on all the time. Now, the 30 or the 50 kilometre uh, zone begins further on up the park road by uh, the Castle Gate. But, like, they're coming at you there at 50 and 60 miles an hour, and that isn't, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, I, I'll have a close call there at least three or four times a week. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. It's just, it, it, it really is shocking. Um, as you say, the Gardaí say that they're trying to do the best that they can do, but they can't, unless they have a guard that permanently stationed yeah. there, which, is, yeah, which isn't going to happen. Tell me, happen. Tell me look, about I tomorrow's the, uh, slow walk. No, basically, we're not calling it a protest as such. It's an exercise to highlight and raise awareness of the danger of speeding within the residential area. Uh, our colleague there, John, John Green, he informed us that there's several problems on the north side of town. And on the disbanding page recently, there was several reports of, of similar conduct in, in various other residential areas. So we just hope to raise awareness of it. We will in no way impede the progress of the traffic in town. We'll walk on the paving in as much as we can. Where they exist, we'll walk on the paving so we won't be breaking the law in any fashion whatsoever. And um, we just again just to highlight it's just yeah, draw attention to it. Draw draw yeah. attention to it. And you've been on to the council and all of that and the council of Yeah, like as I say, we had the petition um over two hundred signatures. Each person that signed it had a horror story to tell. 
Wow, that's a lot of signatures. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of signatures. Okay, so tomorrow morning, um, half past eight. Well, we're meeting at eight, and we'll, we'll progress then at, at around half a day towards. Which dawn. which uh, will be a busy time because it's around that commuter time. So there'll be yeah. uh, so, a lot yeah. of the cars will certainly see you. Yeah, we'll be meeting at um, the, the park end of Castle Road near the Castle Cottages, and um, again, as I say, it's peaceful protest or peaceful a peaceful uh, demonstration, so to speak. And um, we'll be we'll, we'll be marching slowly along the paving and not impeding the traffic in any fashion okay. whatsoever. Will you be taking any photographs? Yes, we will. I've just been told, Frank Invanton has just uh, rang in to say, Dan is a brilliant photographer and he keeps the old side of Bandon alive. Many of his photographs can be viewed in the Riverside Shopping Centre in Bandon. He has fantastic photographs of the old pedestrian bridge in Bandon and the old weir. So you've oh, had, yes, sir, yes, you've yes, had yes, an interest yes. in photographer for many, uh, uh, photography for many a year, have you? Uh, a couple of years now, about three or four years, yeah. Yeah. Because I document uh, the tone and its changes and its people and so on like that. It's a great hobby, isn't it? Yeah, it is kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's great to look back on photographs and see the change. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that, then, uh, we have um, a collection of old photographs abandoned, which we hope at some point to do uh, a major uh, exhibition of, of old characters and streets and so on like that come back over 100 years. Wow. When, when do you hope to do that? Um, well, it's kind of a work in progress at the moment. Uh, we're, we're collecting all the time um, as part of the disabandoned age, you know. Okay, well. And, uh, at some point in the future. And people love that. People love yeah, the nostalgia, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. People love to look back and, and even, especially the old photographs and then you can you can think about, you know, what the street looks like now and what it looked exactly. like once upon a time. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Exactly. All right, listen, good luck with your slow walk tomorrow. As you say, it's not a protest. It's not a march. It's a slow walk. Uh, good luck. Walk. And well, well done. Well done for drawing attention to this. Hopefully, even if nothing else, the drivers that pass you tomorrow, it might make yeah. them a little bit more aware. Slow it down folks slow it down exactly all right thanks a million Dan no worries thank you thanks for that bye bye Uh, Don Holland uh, joining us from Bandon with a message I think to everybody you know just take it easy when you're going to residential areas be aware of people living in those areas and and we don't want any more tragedies and certainly coming up to Christmas we don't want any tragedies Uh, slow it down and uh, stop the reckless driving 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Cork today on C103 with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas. It's time for this week's uh, Garda File. We are going to Castletown Bear Garda Station where I'm joined by Garda Martin Hegarty. Good morning to you, Martin. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and you're welcome. Now, we're going to be talking about the roads policing uh, Christmas campaign in a moment. But firstly, I want to look at some crimes and incidents that have occurred in the area, starting with an incident on the Castle Road in Bandon on the 1st of December. Yes, there's an incident under investigation, uh, Patricia, in, in uh, Bandon Garda Station there. Um, it occurred uh, between 12 midnight and 5 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning. Um, no, uh, my colleagues in Bandon are looking for assistance with this um, from the point of view that they're looking for anybody that would have been in the area between those between those hours um, that may have noticed anything unusual vehicles or otherwise what we'd also be interested in hearing from anybody that may may have passed the area and had uh, dash cams in their vehicles may have recorded um, any any 
unusual happenings or any persons loitering about the place there. So it, it, it was a serious enough incident. Uh, as I say, it's under investigation by my colleagues there in Bandon. Um, anyone that was in the area that may have noticed anything unusual or suspicious, um, they'd be very grateful for a call and they can be contacted at 023-885-2240. OK, and in your own neck of the woods, there was a burglary in Castletown Bear. Yes, uh, Patricia, last Monday, um, there was on the 2nd of the 12th, uh, between 9am and uh, 3pm, uh, uh, premises was entered in uh, Knock and Row, Castletown uh, Bear. Now, uh, a number of items were taken during the course of the, the, the burglary there. Um, what's specific to this is that the, the house is located kind of just off the, 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 the main kind of uh, back road of the town, as they call it, which would be quite close to Skull and Cree Row Nefa. Um, and what you know, because of the timing of the event, we're we're specifically interested maybe in hearing from parents that would have been maybe dropping their their kids to school at nine a.m. and are again collecting them at two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, may have noticed the vehicles or vehicles going up as kind of uh, a road adjacent to the school, which is not a road that would be used to a great degree by traffic. Yeah, um, you wouldn't see a lot of traffic on that road. Yes. Um, so, like, we, we would be very grateful if any, anyone that was in that area last Monday between either between 9am and 3pm um, that were up and down that back road there, which is quite close to Skull and Career on Ava, if they noticed any vehicles or individuals that were in the area acting suspiciously or just something out of the ordinary, um, again, we're, we're investigating that matter here in Castletown Bear. We can be contacted at 027 and would be grateful for any assistance we can get from okay, the public with this one. They say that was just Monday of uh, this week. That's now, correct. we want to go back to the 24th of last month for criminal damage that happened in Bantry. Yeah, this is a, a thing that happens kind of um, on a regular enough basis, but um, it's just something that can be very annoying for the people concerned. You know, a parked vehicle at William Street Bantry um, between was parked on the 24th of the 11th, um, which was Sunday Sunday night between quarter to nine and half past 11. Um, it would appear that the car was keyed uh, ah. which would be the which would be the way we would describe it or someone um uh, brought an item a metal item or, or uh, you know a Some solid sharp item, item yeah yeah and damaged the car now there's a substantial amount of damage done to the vehicle and it it can, you know it's frustrating for the person that parked their car there and someone come along and to the, to the, to do this type of damage because it's wanton and like and it's such a pointless act you get absolutely nothing out of doing it exactly and you know like it it is very frustrating for the person concerned like i mean it's a, it you know just looking at the details here. It's a relatively new car. Yeah. It's going to cost them a, a fairly substantial amount of money to repair. The You're into thousands probably. Yes. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I mean, what we'd be looking for in this particular instance, if, you know, the incident occurred at William Street in Bantry. We would appreciate anyone that may have been in the area um, between quarter to nine and half past eleven on Sunday the 24th. Maybe if they noticed anything or a person falling up against the car, bumping up against cars or damaging a car in any way, we would appreciate if they contact my colleagues in Bantry there at 027 
uh, with any assistance they may be in a position to give. Okay, there was a burglary in in Shannon you're looking for help with. Again, again, um, this particular burglary in in Shannon uh, occurred between Tuesday the 26th of the 11th and Monday the 2nd of the 12th. Occupants of the house were away for a number of days. When they came back, they found that their um, house had been um, broken into and a substantial amount of property and and, um, cash taken from the house. Now, again, what we're we're looking for with this is the incident occurred... uh, in the Silverstone Drum Keen area of Inishannon, Patricia. And um, we would like to hear from anyone that may have been in the area, notice something unusual, a vehicle, an individual. If there was anybody in that area that had picked up anything on, say, dash cam or anything like that, we would like to hear from them. My colleagues in Bandon are investigating that matter and would appreciate any help um, they can get uh, at 023-885-2240. And an assault in Bandon that happened yes, uh, on the first. Again, last Sunday, last Sunday evening, uh, between quarter to uh, around the quarter of eleven uh, mark in the evening, um, Patricia, uh, and uh, we're talking in terms of Oliver Plunkett Street in Bandon. Um, gentleman was assaulted outside the premises there. No, again, Sunday evening. There's always people who want, would be about at you know quarter to eleven. Um, Quarter to 11 going on, say, 11 o'clock. Um, anybody that was in the Oliver Plunkett area last uh, last Sunday evening, we would appreciate if they noticed anything unusual or if they noticed any fracas going on um, and they're in a position to assist with our, our inquiries. Um, my colleagues in Bandon are dealing with that uh, particular matter as well too. Um, again, what we're looking for there is if there was maybe vehicles passing up and down that may have dash cams, if there was persons that, that would have seen anything on towards like someone being assaulted is not something that you know happens quietly in a, in 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 a corner or whatever this is out in the public street and and would be fairly visible to um would be fairly visible to anyone that was in the area there would have been a bit of um a bit of noise and there'd have been a bit of altercation going on there so we would appreciate as i say anybody in that area that noticed anything untowards to contact us in bandon at 0238852240 okay now it is that time of year for renewal of firearm licenses it's important that your license is up to date yes uh, patricia it's just something that you know we need to highlight again um the firearms renewals um kind of uh, in the past, they used to all be renewed in and around the Ju- July, August. Um, whereas now um, they're they're renewed on a kind of an ongoing basis over the period of the twelve months. Oh, okay, um, so that's, everyone has a different renewal. Everyone has okay. a different renewal. But at the moment, uh, most of the renewal notices are sent out three months in advance to the to the license holders, and a significant number are not being submitted back to the Garda stations for renewal prior to the expiry date on the firearm certificates. Now, um, we just remind people that if they don't get their licenses renewed and they expire, they are in possession of an unlicensed firearm. And, you know, that is a criminal offence under the Firearms Act. So what we're what we're asking people here is if, if they receive their notice in the post, don't put it up in the window and forget about it. Get it into the Garda station and it will be processed and your licence mm-hmm. will be in order. And can you, as you say, they're, they're sent three months in advance and like that, people put it on the long finger and then it goes out of their mind. Can they do it immediately when they get it, even though it's not for another three months? Yes, they can. And that's the one thing that we We'd be asking people to do because I I know myself I, I know myself um, Patricia people 
people will put something away. Yeah, you forget it. It'll be on the window. And and especially three months, uh, Martin, you just forget about it. Yes. And the next thing, there's four months or five months goes by and they'll end up then getting a phone call from ourselves to say, look, your licence is is out of date. Or, alternately, we'll be coming out, knocking on the door and asking for to to take the gun away because it's an unlicensed firearm. And, you know, it is a a serious offence under the Firearms Act to be in possession of it without without a firearms certificate. Okay, so get get working on that. Now, we're at Christmas just around uh, the corner, actually. Is it three weeks today? Is St. Stephen's this day? It is. It'll all be over by the show. Yes. Um, the the campaign over Christmas. Yes, it's just to mention it. It's a, it's an ongoing thing, I suppose, with ourselves in the Garda Shikana. Look, I, looking at some of the statistics this morning on the uh, Garda website, Garda.ie. Now, there's been thir- 134 deaths to to date this year. 134. Um, and 134, and that uh, we're at a plus <sighs> six deaths um, for this the, the, the corresponding period last year. Now, this is made up, Patricia, of 26 pedestrians, 68 drivers, 15 passengers, 16 motorcyclists and nine pedal cyclists have been killed during the course of 2019. And like I've always said, that one death is is one too many. Um, and it is something that we wor- we are working extremely hard to try and reduce. But unfortunately, uh, the stati- statistics are there. And again, if you go on the Garda website, um, Patricia, you will see that in excess of 6,000 arrests have been made for for drink driving. Um, There has been 47,000 mandatory intoxication checkpoints carried out by the Garda Shikana over up to September of this year up to September of this year. And in, in addition to that, there are numerous, um, say, offences for speeding and other uh, kind of primary offences that are directly related to um, have been detected by the Gardaí. So I suppose what we're asking people, is, you know, is just to be reduce their speed, not to drink and drive. Um, we would also ask them to be just that bit extra vigilant on the roads, particularly at this time of the year because the last thing you want is to have a fatal road traffic collision in, 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 in your area between now and the Christmas period because of all that entails and the sadness that it brings into the household. And you just think of the 134 families missing somebody at the Christmas table this year is just... Yes, it, it, is, it, is, it is frightening and it's, it's sobering um, from the point of view of, of um, you know, we're, we're looking at a plus situation from this this. No, the figures relate to um, the current figures, 134 to date. That's up six people on, on this time last year. Shocking. And it's an increase. And no, that's <sighs> despite the best efforts of the Gardaí and the Road Safety Authority and all the other agencies that are involved with roads policing and, you know, road safety. And, um, you know, it's just something, you, you know, one debt, as I've often said in the past, one debt is too many. Yeah, um, yeah. We just need to, you know... Be and it is, and I mean, it's the drivers, but it's also the pedestrians need to be careful out there. The people yeah. on the bicycles need to be careful. Yeah, you know, it's just it's too, it's too many. It's just it's, it, it's too it many. Is indeed, it is indeed. So we would just ask people to be that bit extra vigilant as we approach the Christmas season. You know, don't drink and drive. 
reduce the speed. Um, and, you know, I know there are lots of roadworks ha- going on in different areas or in, in, in around the county and in West Cork in general. But we just ask people to be, you know, that little bit extra vigilant just to be aware of what's going on around them. Um, just Allow to, extra time, particularly if there's an appointment you have to go to, because yeah. by allowing extra time, you don't put yourself under pressure then if you come up against roadworks. Or, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and as I say, all we, all we would ask is for people to be safe uh, not alone at the Christmas time, but indeed all year, full year round. Full all right, uh, Martin, are you working for Christmas or do you manage um, to get it off? At the moment, yes, I, I will be working Christmas oh, Day and Stevens's Day. Um, uh, so, but I mean, Christmas is 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 quite a pleasant time to work. To, is it? to be honest with you, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, you're particularly down here in Castletown there. You you you, it's it's always. Um, a very nice time of the year to work because you, you you know there's so many bits and pieces happening and going on around around the area. It's great community spirit, yeah. Yes, and there it's is great. great community spirit. So again, like from our own, on our own behalf here in Castletown Bear, we want to thank the people in the area for for their continuing cooperation with us and their assistance to us. Um, take the opportunity because I won't be presenting the Garda file on this side of Christmas again just to wish yourselves and indeed all your listeners uh, Patricia a very happy Christmas well, many, and a safe Christmas Many happy returns uh, Martin thank you for that and we'll talk again in the new year uh, look after yourself thanks for that Thank you Patricia uh, Bye bye that is Garda Martin Hegarty joining us from Castletown Bear This is the Court Today replay on C103 We also are going to hear from farmers who are blockading one of the country's biggest retail distribution centres. It's the Aldi uh, centre up the country and this is over beef prices. We'll discuss that in the next hour. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Festive food and fun. The Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. C103's Christmas Club. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. Listen at 9, 2 and 5. Count the bells to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See ryans.ie. Only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some students that I feel are the best we spoke about on the programme today, our programme this week, and it was wonderful to see them picked up by Bill Brown in the Corkman newspaper. And these are the pupils, the boys and girls of Drumahan National School. And it's making a front page story of the story we shared with you when their principal, Dennis Murray, joined us in studio earlier in the week. This is the school children from Drumahan National School who have decided at the behest in fairness of the Parents Association not to give any presents to teachers this year. Teachers are absolutely fine about it and instead they're making donations to help shine some light into the lives of homeless people over the festive season and there's wonderful, wonderful photographs with Bill Brown, Bill Brown writing about this story in the Corkman newspaper this week. Keep a look out for them. They really are a fantastic bunch of kids along with the great children we heard about yesterday from the Gwaelskull and Clonakilty who are doing the acts of kindness instead of homework. I just think it, it bodes well for the future when we have children 
been that socially conscious and being aware that there are others less fortunate than themselves. I think, you know, it's, they, they will grow up, please God, to make fine, fine young adults. And well done to the teachers and to the parents who are behind those children. It uh, really is terrific. OK, um, keep your, there are pet questions coming in. Thank you for that there for Jane. Uh, Jane will be joining us after half past 12. So if you have a pet question, get them in, uh, please. And in the midst of the pet questions, I saw somebody, Margaret, where's Margaret's text? There it is. Hi to Margaret. Margaret Fitzgerald, she's the PRO at Gagan ICA, who says, Patricia, would you give a mention, please, to our Christmas tea dance? It's on next Sunday in Gagan Hall. It'll be on between three and six in the afternoon with music by Dermot Lines and proceeds in aid of a new community car park. Okay, new community car park Christmas tea dance on Sunday in Gagan Hall. Get your dancing shoes on, please. Uh, We hope everybody has fun at uh, that. Now, also coming in, we were talking about housing. Oh, yeah, we were talking about housing earlier on and somebody had suggested, well, in fairness, it was a suggestion that came in from a 63-year-old woman who said she's in a great, sounds like gorgeous bungalow, four-bedroomed bungalow. She's there on her own and she was wondering if there's anything she could do to bring a homeless family into the house with her. You know, somebody's fallen on hard times and she'd be more than willing to kind of share the house with other people and that led to people saying there should be some schemes introduced by the government in order to facilitate older people either somebody had suggested like turning if it's a large property turning it into two properties so that the older person would still live and have their independence in their own house and that somebody else would live in the other side of the house and just people I think try to think outside of the box to come up with alternative solutions to our housing crisis. Well, not everyone is happy with the idea of older people being forced to either downsize and move out of their house or in any way convert their house to let somebody else into it. And a text came in saying, I know that there are family out there who are in need of housing. But the government needs to be working on this. Why should any man or woman give their home up after they bought it, after they reared their family, paid off the mortgage and worked hard to pay all the bills so that one day the house is their own? There is a building site here in Fromoy and nobody's working on the building site. Half of the houses are built. The houses that were built, the council won't be able to put families in there as it would be a health and safety issue. So those houses will not be allocated until all houses are finished. I know John Paul is going to look into that. That's the housing estate that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago on the programme when we were getting calls and texts in on a Friday to say that the building site was going into lockdown and staff were being let go and there was an issue going on and we got on Councillor Noah McCarthy in fairness to him was looked into it for us and it seemed because some people were blaming the council and it's nothing to do with the council even though it's the council housing list will house the people that are on the list are waiting to get into those houses desperately waiting to get into those houses and they had hoped to hand out a bunch of them before Christmas it's certainly not looking like that at the moment and it seemed to be there was some issue between the developer and the contractor that they were trying to sort out now. So it saddens me when I get that text in this morning to say that the building site is still nobody working there. So that issue hasn't been sorted out. Uh, John Paul is going to get back on to Noel McCarthy and we'll see if we can get an update. And is anybody mediating? Is anybody working? Getting the counts, getting the developer and the contractor to sit down together and sort out whatever the problem is because those houses need to be finished 
they need to be finished ASAP so that people can be taken off the housing list in Formoy and can be placed into those houses and what a great Christmas present that would have been for families if they could have got the keys to their new house but it's certainly the fact that no work is going on in the building site that's not going to happen now which is which is dreadful 1850 and to people who were struggling to pay their TV licence a listener has a suggestion. Morning, Patricia. I pay my TV licence by direct debit monthly, which actually was something I didn't realise you could do. It's very easy to set up if you go into tvlicense.ie and it continues on until you stop the direct debit and it costs me about €14 euro per month for people who like to divide up their bills. I didn't realise you could do that with the TV licence. But don't forget, with the TV licence, you can also pop into your local post office and you can buy your stamps every week uh, you could be buying you're saying a 14 euro a month you could buy 14 euro worth of stamps you know divvy it up by four four every week and pay for it that way and by doing that by going in and actually buying us, um, are, are they one euro are they I, I actually have, I'm open to correction I think they would do they go to five euro they used to be one euro once upon a time and you put them into your little book I think they're five euro a stamp now but anyway you can still buy my point is you can still buy TV licence saving stamps at the post office we're always encouraging people to use their local post office to try to move away from the direct debit even though that direct debit it works for a lot of people and it's handy for a lot of people and you don't have the bills coming in and all of that but if it is possible for you to physically go into your post office it's all of those transactions that will keep our post offices open because remember all of those post offices particularly the smaller ones they get paid per unit per the amount of different transactions that go on so every single transaction you do is important I mean at this time of the year I've been in the post office a couple of times with posting parcels and stuff they're very busy and it's great to see them so busy at this time of the year but then of course you head into into the new year it'll get slack and there'll be nobody in there but there's something you could do you could be going in there getting your TV licence saving stamp uh, and buy it at your local post office. Thank you, but I didn't realise you could do a direct debit, but a listener says you can. 1850-333-103. Keep those questions coming in, please, for Jane Arvette. I can see them coming in. Uh, keep them coming, please, because she'll be joining us after half past 12 today. And I just want to quickly give a mention, because I promised that i do the update on this. We were talking about bingo and bingo being under threat and there was talks that all the bingo halls around the country were going to close because of a piece of legislation that was going before the doll yesterday. Well, I can tell you that organisers of large bingo competitions will be able will be allowed to pay out up to three quarters of their takings in prize money. This is where the big argument was. The government had wanted to impose a prize money cap of 50%. That was leading some organisers to say we might as well close up shop. No one will come to the bingo. The prize fund money won't be uh, enough. But there was a vote in the Dáil last night and there was an amendment which was proposed by a Sinn Féin TD, Martin Kenny, seconded by independent TD, Dennis Nocton, and it was supported by the government and the other parties. So the the amendment went through, which now means the organisers of the large bingo competitions 
will be allowed to pay out up to 75% of their takings in prize money, which is what they've been doing uh, to date. And by the way, for smaller bingos, which is what a lot of our listeners were worried about, the bingo in the local community centre, the bingo in the youth centre that happens every week, the bingo that's organised maybe by the local GAA or by the local youth uh, club. Any bingo where, whose total prize money is less than €5,000, which is most of the smaller community run bingos. There is no change in the current law. The legislation that we were talking about doesn't in any way affect the smaller uh, bingos. They will continue to operate as they've always done. But a proposal to ensure that a minimum of 25% of the proceeds of bingo takings goes to charity that remains un- unchanged. All operators must contribute to charity as a condition of their permit and licence. The only way they got that bingo licence and permit in the first place was by promising that an element of it would go to charity. And it seems that's one of the reasons that this bill was brought in was that a lot of the larger the more commercial bingo operators who I accept have to make money because they've got staff and all of that but they were not sticking to the letter of the law they were not giving enough to charity Uh, not all of them now but some of them and that was the reason for the legislation the bill has now been sent uh, to the Senate where it will get uh, further uh, consideration and as we discussed so many times this week on the programme bingo is it's a very unique part of Irish culture and people use it as their social life and the only how many did we hear from that the only reason they go outside the door on an evening is to go to the bingo and if they didn't have the bingo they wouldn't be going out at all and people were worried uh, about it and can I say thank you to Minister David Stanton who was responsible actually for all of this legislation because they yesterday somebody in his office uh, yesterday sent us a briefing note from Minister David Stanton Stanton to give to us because they heard us talking about it on the programme yesterday where it was clearly stating that the new rules and regulations and this new bill, it wasn't in any way going to affect people who operate the smaller lotteries. These are the ones who require a permit from the local Garda superintendent. They continue as normal. It wasn't in any way going to affect them. So we're we're glad to uh, to get that message out to people who were worried about their local bingo. It is safe. 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Yana, that's the You Are Not Alone group against domestic violence based in Market Square in Mallow. They're holding a fundraising table quiz in Albert's Bar. It's tonight at half past eight. Drumahan Community Park Group, they're currently fundraising to construct a walkway and lighting in the park and they're holding a grand draw which will be on in February with the first prize of a Kia Picanto car. They're currently going door to door selling tickets 20 euro each. They're also available at Hickey's Bar and Kelly's Shop. The last art club demonstration of 2019 on behalf of Mallow Art Club will be held tonight in the Mercy Centre at half past seven. Dorothy Roberts will do a beach scene in acrylic. Blood Transfusion Service are holding Dolan Clinics. That's in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown. That's on this afternoon, three to five and seven to nine tonight. Tim Murphy will present a wonderful night of music and song for Christmas. That's in the music room in Bohabui uh, today at 5pm. All are welcome. And the students of Mallow's Patrician Academy are hosting a coffee morning in aid of Marymount Hospice tomorrow Friday 
10am to 12 noon and it'll be in the Gilbert Centre. Uh, you're asked to please support. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas. My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market. Cork at Christmas is amazing. I love going to the markets and everything. Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel. Join C103 for the return of Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park magically lit by Doucher puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre. Take in the beautiful city views from the Ferris wheel. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Echo and C103. C103's Christmas Covered. We're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. See Ryan's.ie. And yesterday after 5pm, Martina O'Donoghue made a call to Siobhan O'Hara from Kanturk and she started by asking her how many bells had she heard? 12 bells. Nice one. Oh, Siobhan, that means you have won today's prize. The uh, one for all voucher that we're giving away is worth 500 euro. Christmas is covered in your house now. Thank you very much. Are you going to spend some of this 500 euro on yourself as well? Yeah, hopefully, yes. I think that's in order. You know, you've gone to the the hard work of listening and sending in your message and answering the phone. So you deserve some of that for yourself. (laughs) Are you totally shocked? I am shocked. I'm shocked. Siobhan, we let you go and let that sink in. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Happy Christmas. Christmas. Siobhan O'Hara from Kanturk winning our 500 euro one for all voucher yesterday. We have another one to give away today. Hopefully you've heard the bells with Simon at nine. Happens again at two and again at five. And then you need to call or text 0862 103 103 after five. And this is the final week of C103's Christmas covered with Dennis and Mary Ryan where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Open seven days and you can see more at Ryan's.ie. 1850 Our lines remain open now. Now, as we've been hearing all morning on the news, farmers are blockading one of the country's biggest retail distribution centres and it's over beef prices. Around 40 members of the Irish Farmers Association are blocking trucks from accessing the Aldi Nationwide Warehouse, which is based in Nace in County Kildare. John Coughlin is a dairy beef and tillage farmer from Butterfant. He is running, of course, for the National Presidency of the IFA. John is the current Munster chairman. He's at the protest and uh, he joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, Patricia. John, why Aldi? Aldi, the same as any other retailer. It could be any other retailer tomorrow, Patricia. I think all retailers are the same in this uh, in this uh, tra- problem where farmers are not getting the full return of the value of our beef from the marketplace. And we have uh, got the test, beef task force set up last week. Unfortunately, there were no retailers around the table, and they are an integral part in that chain. 
we see the retailers having huge margins, we see the processors having huge margins, and we see farmers having no margin whatsoever. So there has to be a proper engagement by all stakeholders in order for uh, for that to be a sustainable industry. Farmers are not making money out of beef production. We see over the last six weeks where beef prices right across Europe have moved up by anything from top to 50 cent a kilo, and our Irish prices have stayed static for the last four months. I saw a piece that kind of shocked me that showing this was the beef price index It's and it's showing a massive gap of 45% between Ireland and the UK with the second index out this week showing the gap has widened to 50 cents a kilo. That's ha- the point, Patricia. How, how can that happen? It has happened because of the control that the processing and the retail sector has on the marketplace here in Ireland. That's why we are outside the retailers today. We've picked one retailer today. There'll probably be more into the future. The you say is, you say there was no retailers at the beef uh, the beef market task force of which the first meeting happened this week. Were they invited? Well, we've all, we've always asked for the retailers to be part of that task force. So yes, I mean we've invited them. Surely, but the minister can invite them, in. and this is where the difficulty is. What the government and the retailers have stood back from it. The minister wasn't at that meeting either, and I believe he should. The minister should be there, and the retailers should be there. And I suppose, look, Patricia, these beef task force talks they are. Very similar to what I would call um, uh, trade union talks. They're, they're there to get a proper price for our product. And until such time as everyone sits around the table and puts that price up there and discusses price, we are not going to go anywhere as beef farmers. The reality is, Patricia, that beef farmers' average income is less than €8,000 a year. So that's absolutely impossible for farmers to survive on that. And yet we see the retail sector and we see the others going well ahead. Well, whenever we talk about beef prices, we constantly hear from, from listeners when we're hearing from farmers and how little they're paid. We constantly hear from people, well, how come we're paying top dollar when we go into a butcher's or into a supermarket to buy our beef? We're not getting cheap beef. That is the point. I mean, look, uh, not getting, I think it's the margins that are, uh, that are being creamed off by people between the farmer and the consumer. That's where the difficulty is. And if they're not all sitting around the table, then we don't know what's happening. So, describe what's happening today at Aldi. Have you effectively brought the distribution centre to a halt? Yes, we have. We've uh, we, we, we blocked uh, any lorries going or out of the distribution centre here in Ace. And so there is nothing moving from this distribution centre. And look, I think we just need to highlight to people how unrealistic and how impossible it is for us as farmers to continue where we are at the moment. We have an Aldi distribution centre in uh, Formoy and there is a little distribution centre in Charleville. I don't know about the other super, the other uh, distribution centres in the other supermarkets. Would you be, would you, would you consider targeting any of the ones in the south? Oh, I think there'll be, there'll be in, in the next few weeks if uh, if there isn't the price increase straight away for farmers. I think there will have to be other targets. When is the beef task force set to meet again? I, well, I, I don't exactly know what date is fixed for the next meeting, but uh, they, they did try to hint that they wanted to meet four or five times a year. The reality is, look, they met last Tuesday. The meat industry came out and said that they could foresee price rises. We haven't seen any price rise. And as you rightly pointed out, the the beef um, price grid, the price um, tracker that has been shown by Borbia shows the widening of that gap again. And yet we see no move by the industry in Ireland. That's where the problem is, Patricia. The industry here has to move straight away to give proper pricing back to farmers. So you're, the message to retailers then is go back to the processors back, and tell absolutely. them you need a price increase. The, re, the retailers, and I mean, look, the re, 
retailers have used farmers all, way, all their lives to promote the green, properly securely produced food and beef that we produce. They use farmers on a regular basis in their advertisements, but yet the farmer is not getting paid for it and the farmer is dying a death in rural Ireland because of the fact that they're not getting a proper income out of the beef they're producing. I think retailers have uh, a responsibility on them to ensure that the processes are passing back a realistic cost uh, margin, uh, a realistic margin to farmers. They need to do that straight away. Okay, and this protest is going on for 12 hours, so effectively for 12 hours the Aldi Distribution Centre is not operating. Yes. 7am to 7pm. 7am to 7pm this evening. Okay. All right, uh, John, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. That is John Coughlin. He is the Munster Chairman of the IFA at that protest and he's also running for the National Presidency of the IFA and, of course, those elections are underway as uh, we speak. Will we see similar protests at uh, retail distribution centres around the country. I think farmers are angry enough that we will. 1850-333-103 and thank you to a number of people who rang in to point out that the TV licence saving stamps are €4. Euro. I thought they were €5. Euro. They're €4 euro. and you can get them at your post office and they'll give you a little book and you can put them into the book and then at the end of the year you'll have all of your TV licence saved because what is it, €160. Euro. It's a lot of money to cough up uh, on one week whereas if you're paying for it every week, a little bit every week, you don't seem to feel the pain so much and you're supporting your local post office at the same time. Barry in Bandon has contacted us. He's an honest man to say he found a sum of money. We're not saying how much money he found, but he's found a sum of money last night on Oliver Plunkett Street in Bandham. He found it near the Munster Arms Hotel. If you think that is your money, or you know of somebody, you heard of somebody who was saying that they lost some money last night, were they around the Munster Arms Hotel on Oliver Plunkett Street? Street. If so, call into Bandingar the station. They're looking after it. As I say, we're not giving out any details of how much it is because we just want to make sure, and so does Barry and Bandon, we want to make sure that that money gets back to the person that actually lost it. And coming up to Christmas, it is a dreadful time to lose money. So somebody, we will make somebody's day, hopefully, with Barry's honesty by returning that money Banding guard the station if you think it's yours. 1850-333-103. If you have a pet question for Jane Pickett, our resident vet, get it into us now, please, because she joins us after the break. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow. A Cork... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Christmas celebration. Get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Questions for Jane, keep them coming. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Could you ask Jane, please, says Mary, about a cloudy eye Mm -hmm. in a six-year-old chihuahua's eye, just one. Is it possible for dogs to get cataracts? And if so, is it possible to have surgery? Mm, This is a really interesting one. Now, I suppose when we think of cloudy eyes, the most common thing we think of is cataracts. And essentially what a cataract is, is a big change within the lens um, inside in the eye. And that gives a cloudy appearance. Now, indeed, cataracts can happen in dogs. And indeed, they can actually be operated on in a very similar way to humans. As successful? really quite successful actually to be honest as regards I suppose the success that we aim for in our dogs and cats is not necessarily you know crystal clear vision because that's a very difficult thing to quantify but comfort um, comfort in an eye and a functional degree of vision Okay. Um, so certainly operations can be done to improve it and it's a really great thing it is available in this country um, it's usually the preserve of there are some ophthalmologists some specialists working around the country um, I know I've, I've definitely referred cases to have, have cataract operations and they've had great success really and been you know very happy little dogs afterwards now I think the important thing to mention is there are other causes of cloudy eyes. Now, it sounds like we have kind of an adult but not very old dog here. We're six, Mm. is that right? Yeah. So there are other things I would think about. It could certainly be a cataract, but sometimes if we have a cloudiness not within the eye but on the surface of the eye... um, it can be to do with an either an inflammation or swelling within the layers of the front of the eye or even a, a build-up of pressure which in, within the eye, which can actually be very serious. Um, I would say that given that there is a distinct cloudiness in this eye, I would advise seeing your vet. They'll be able to figure out whether the cloudiness is on the surface of the eye, so on the surface of the cornea, which is kind of the skin of the eye, as it were, um, or within the eye in the lens. And they're both very different things and would require and would very, very different, different treatment. Yeah. So I think a visit your I vet mean, is there's something going on that's cloudy in one eye and, and, and not in the other. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, hi. Uh, a question for your vet, please. I have an eight-year-old Rothweiler in good health. Uh, just, he is getting very stiff in his back legs now he's not overweight he's just a big dog mm. but especially in the morning when he gets up 
first thing, you know, after mm-hmm. having his night's sleep. I know some people say cod liver oil, so I was just wondering, could I give him cod liver oil capsules in his food? Or is there a special type of cod liver oil for dogs? Or any help would be great, please. Mm. So it's a really interesting one. I think if you're, if, our, if you're a little rotty, is a bit stiff in the mornings and he's an older, larger fella. Eight? Eight, yeah. For a rotty, that would be, that would be, let's say, an older adult. Senior. Heading senior. To, yeah. Senior. Heading to senior. Yeah. Um, because I suppose the smaller smaller dogs tend on average to live longer, to live into their, well into their teens. The larger dogs can be, let's say. That's late. across all breeds. Yeah, across yeah. all breeds. Just in general and the, let's say, the larger breed dogs tend to have a little bit of a lower lifespan. But look, okay. they can all book the trend in their own way. They don't always Absolutely. read the rules book. Now, as we have, let's say, a senior rotty in this case, and we have stiffness is particularly worse in the mornings, I would be concerned as to whether this little dog perhaps has some arthritis in his joints, so a bit of stiffness in those joints. It can come to a lot of us as we age, to be honest, and particularly in older, large breed dogs. We see it a lot in their back legs because that's where they tend to take the most wear and tear with their cavorting and jumping around about in their younger years. Now, there are definitely supplements you can give. I'll be honest with you and say there is a limited amount of evidence to support whether they make a genuine difference. If I was going to pick a supplement to give a dog with joint problems, it would be probably something containing glucosamine and chondroitin. So very much like we do in, let's say, older humans, mm. a lot of us will take that um, as the years roll on. And you can get dog-specific preparations. Have a chat with your, your own vet. They normally have you something that they can source. You can get pain relief as well, can't that's, you? That's what I was about to say. Is yeah. I really think if he's stiff in the mornings, that for him is pain so if he's stiff he's uncomfortable and really modern medicine is a fabulous thing there's lots that we can do to sometimes even slow down the progression of arthritis if it is arthritis that's causing these symptoms but certainly give a much better quality of life through pain relief long term so I would say visit your vet talk through his pattern of you know how when he's stiff what happens your vet will examine him he might suggest even some diagnostic tests if that's required and I'm sure he'll be yeah, able to help you nice. out. Because I, I remember yeah. a listener who got on about the similar case uh, years ago and like that it was suggested yeah. trip to the vet and got medication for the dog and she ran back and said her dog was like a spring chicken. Exactly. It was like, like a pup again exactly. bounding around the place and yeah. it was wonderful, yeah. wonderful to see. Now Mike has two female palms. It's a mother and a daughter. They both keep going on three legs. It looks like a ligament problem. What can be done? No. Okay. It's not unusual. Would one copy the other? Um, this is an interesting one. So it is. If it's a mother and a daughter, I would wonder if it's something that may have been passed down. So maybe they... A weakness. Let's say a weakness. Yeah. Exactly, is a good way of describing it. I would be curious to see what legs are involved if it's the back legs, sometimes it can be something to do with the little kneecap. That's something that we often see in small breed dogs and it can tend to run in families okay. where the little kneecap pops in and out. So they might be Ouch. lame, lame, lame and then stretch the leg and they're all fine again. Okay. Um, it would be that interesting sounds to know. like what's going on because it's, it's it, it, on it and It would off. be interesting to know. I think, to be honest, put your mind at rest. Pop the two dogs probably together to your vet. Let them know that there's two coming at the same time and get them examined just to make sure that there's nothing, let's say, it could be total coincidence um, that it is a mum and a daughter and they both have lameness issues. I think either way, it needs to be assessed just to see exactly what the problem is. If there's anything that should be done or needs to be done or if there's anything that can be done, let's say, to, to ease any strain on the joints long term if there is a lameness problem ongoing. 
I think it's definitely worth a trip to the vet. Yeah. But I'd be curious to know whether it is the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And le- let us know how you yeah. get on. John said a small black cat turned up at his house, gave him milk uh, and a little bit of warm water, gave him a little bit of bread. He's eating a little bit, but he's meowing like mad. No sign of the mother around. John said the very same thing happened last year. What can one do? Oh dear. Is it? Does it sound like this is a young little cat? It says little, yeah. Small black cat. Mm, okay. All right. Um, I think you've done done a great thing in giving them a little bit of feed and water. They really struggle for that this time of year. Um, it's a bit of a difficult one. I think it's rare actually in this country. There's not a lot of cats that are microchipped. Um, Especially so young kitten like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Particularly, so re, you know, reuniting them with the owner if there is an owner is sometimes a bit challenging. That said, it's always worth popping to your vet to get them scanned just in case they do have a microchip. Um, you never know. And on that note, I would always advise cats get microchip because it is a really great thing in the same way that it do helps dogs off. get reunited. They do wander off. If this is a really small kitten, like let's say very, very young, the size of your hand, then that needs quite intensive management because if its mum has gone missing for some reason or another, wherever that may be, if it's less than the size of your hand, it's probably still let's say drinking the mum's milk and that's a different kettle of fish um, if it's a little bit bigger and bolder it may well be able to go on to hard, hard food or even soft food and milk um, ask around the neighbours see if anybody's had uh, a cat go missing I suppose the one thing to say is there are a lot of feral cats with little babies knocking around in, yeah and their you know. the mother could have been killed I mean yeah, I smile at John said he keeps meowing that's what kittens do they do and particularly if it's meowing. calling for its mother that's what it'll do they can do and I think particularly if he is a little bit older and bolder um, it's, then it could just be meowing for attention yeah. new environment has gone missing doesn't quite know where it is there's a number of things that could be going on here I'd say have a chat with the neighbour see if anybody's had a cat go missing let your vet, local vets know that there is a cat there if you want to pop it in they can always scan it to see if it's chipped um, but as I say it's rare enough in this country yeah, sometimes. and check with the local vets as well because when, do- when dogs go missing like that, or cats go missing people will often check with the vet as well exactly, to see exactly uh, the mic is back on the palms it's the back leg it's the same one on both mm. it's like when they run it gets worse and the problem going downstairs also but it's both of them yeah, yeah. I, I would could wonder could be that knee issue that you're be yeah. or I suppose that's one thing it's very very common in small breed dogs so there's plenty of other things that can be wrong with let's okay. say the and hips then, and the feet and then we'll st- just very quickly on the cataract surgery we've got people going on cataracts somebody ha- has a husky dog mm-hmm. um, he's diabetic his eyes are cloudy as well listening to you now is wondering could it be yeah. cataracts have you any idea how much is cataract surgery is that very expensive oh. I suppose it, it varies depending on where you get it done. Have a chat with your vet and they'll let you know what the referral options are if that's the route you want to go down. And also your vet will be able to let you know if that's appropriate in your case without yeah, seeing the dog. Not, it's, it's, it's very difficult to know. Pet insurance is a good thing, by the way, yeah, for any of, those, think, any of those very expensive procedures. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, pet insurance is a great thing because it's, it's for these rainy days that we yeah. don't necessarily expect. Okay. Okay, we've got to leave it there. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk again next week. Um, Jane, thank you for that. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Reminding you, tomorrow is a free Panto Friday here at uh, C103. We're looking forward to that. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for the last one of the week. Until the I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork Today on C103. With Cork City Council and 
Fast Low, a Cork Christmas celebration, festive food and fun, the Ferris wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow, open every weekend until Christmas. There are now even more ways to listen to C103. Tune in on your radio, go online or grab our mobile app. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play C103. Play C103. Okay. So you can just follow me. Try it now. Try it now. Follow, follow, follow. C103.